Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, I want to start with a uh, just just a, a question. Im- imagine imagine you're preparing to go on a trip. So so what would you take with you? So here's a good question: What, what kind of trip is it? <laughs> right? If it's a it's a very short trip, you know, maybe you just uh, I don't know take a take a change of clothes or something like that, right? If it's a, if it's a long trip, maybe you'd, you'd pack a suitcase. But what if you were going to take a trip uh, into eternity? So what would you bring, right? Okay, so, so that's my question. So, so, so life is a journey. And, and all of us are sort of born at the starting line. And we're going someplace. We're, we're going someplace. Because otherwise, can I just say, if, if you don't say that all of us are going someplace, then, then in, in my mind anyway, the alternative is to say that life is meaningless. Because if it's completely up to you, if everything is completely up to you, and there's nothing beyond that, to, to me that would be sort of like a description of existential hell. Because there's no expectation of me, I mean, I guess I shouldn't, like, hurt people or try to hurt people or try not to hurt people, whatever it is. But other than that, nothing is expected of me whatsoever. And I'm really not going anyplace. And all of this really is for nothing. So, so, So I don't think that's the case. You know, if you if you look at um, if you look at the way just God created uh, all of nature, all of nature grows. Isn't that interesting? Like, why would that be? Like, if you if you go into a supermarket and you buy a jar of peanut butter, and you put the jar the jar of peanut butter on your shelf, and you check back, you know, you peek in the cabinet, you know, you don't want to make the jar of peanut peanut butter too self-conscious, right? So you, you just peek, right? When it's not looking, right? It looks exactly the same as when you bought it in the store. It never changes. But if you buy a puppy, the puppy grows into like a dog. If you have a baby, the baby grows into a human being, right? If you plant a seed, it grows into a tree. Nature itself grows, it changes. It's going someplace. There's a direction. There's a direction. In other words, what I'd like to suggest is, is that you can see from nature itself that, that, that what's very intuitive to, to, to reality is the fact that all of us are going someplace and all of us have a direction. Which means we do have a meaning. But then the question is, well, where are we going, and what is the meaning, right? That's, that's, that's what we need to know. So, so if, if the meaning is whatever I decide it is, well, that sort of runs counter to the fact that, you know, I, I, I had a very strange experience. I went to South Africa, and as we were driving, you know, I was asking the, um, the driver, just because we had a couple hours drive, like just to explain different things that I was seeing out the window. And we went by this, um, I guess you could call it a forest, 
but it was a very controlled forest, meaning there was, um, it was commercial planted, is what I mean to say, because it was very, very ordered. And the trees were very skinny. But here's the point. All of the trees, and I was looking at over the period of the ride, thousands and thousands of trees were all exactly the same height. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? Like, all planted on their own. And by the way, they, it was a um, paper farm. All of these trees were being harvested to make paper out of. But they all grew to exactly the same height. So what I'm, what I'm trying to suggest is, is, that, is that you see from the outside looking in, there is an order. How come some people don't grow? Like People grow like if you're short, you're probably around five feet. If you're tall, you're probably around, I don't know, six three. That would be sort of like an average short to tall ratio, right? Why aren't short people five inches and tall people like 5,000 feet? <laughs> like... Like, why? Like, you could say, well, we're all different heights, but within a very limited range, we're all different heights, right? Like, people all live to what age? Like, you know, barring, you know, God forbid, any sort of illness. My, my mom died at, I don't know, something like 71. That's, and I thought she was young. It's young today. You know, but, but, but people don't live to 300, 400. 800, maybe they will again. But what I'm, what I'm trying to say is, is that you see within nature, there is, even amidst all the diversity, and what I'm, what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is, take a step back from the diversity. And what I'm trying to suggest is that there's a very, very pretty ironclad set of expectations and dimensions being imposed on nature, even amidst the variety. You've got the variety, absolutely. But the variety is actually working in a fairly limited scope, if you look at it from that point of view. So what I'm saying is, that same force, which we'll call God, right? That same force, which is creating growth, and direction also seems to have like a very strong opinion <laughs> about like what where we're supposed to go in terms of like you know what it's supposed to look like in the end even amidst the variety okay so we started off with this question if you were going on a trip what would you pack right and 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 we said well it kind of depends. Where am I going? But what if you're going to eternity? And what if where you're going is not even in this dimension? <laughs> okay, well now, okay, well now, let's see. I, I better pack some good stuff if it's forever <laughs> and I can't really access anything here anymore. Right? Okay, so... What I'd like to suggest, and it's it's a little it's a little sci-fi, but I think the Gomorrah sort of supports this, and I think the Torah supports this. It's just I'm going to give a sort of a, a novel presentation of the idea, but I think this is what in fact is going on. Um, you know, the 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 Gomorrah in, in in Sanhedrin at the end of Sanhedrin talks about how you see, like, you know. 
we talk about resurrection of the dead. There's going to be a, that's part of the that's part of just the program for this world, is the dead are going to rise. Okay, and and the Gomorrah even back a couple of thousand years ago understood that for a lot of people this was a mind bending concept. By the way, you should know this is Judaism 101. This is not this is not like a Kabbalistic thought or a Hasidic thought or like you know, an extra credit kind of like, you know, you're like really holy, so you believe in that stuff. No, this is actually normative Judaism, believe it or not. So, so but even back 2,000 years ago, the rabbis were, were like, okay, I know this is like blowing your mind, so just let us give you some very understandable ways to, under, to, 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 to grasp this, okay? So one of the examples that they give and is that you see actually, we call it techias amesim, that's, that's how we would, you know, or resuscitation of the dead. I've seen it translated that way as well. Um, uh, they, they, they say, think of this example. It's going on all of the time. In fact, it's going on probably trillions of times a day. How? You take a seed, you plant a seed underneath the ground, that's like a body going underneath the ground, right? The the outside of the seed, the shell of the seed sort of crumbles away, disintegrates, and then life springs up from underground to above ground. Right? And they say, well, there you have it. It's the same dynamic. Okay, so now let's just go with, the, with, that, with that vision for a moment, with, the, with, that, with that model that the sages are giving us. And what I would like to suggest, and I think they are suggesting this, I don't think I'm really adding so much to what they're saying, but just to flesh it out, okay? Your body is a shell. You're the seed. Do you understand? You're the seed. Your body is the part that falls away and disintegrates. And then what's inside you, your soul, just like it goes from underground and it pops through, into another dimension, if you will, your soul rises up and exists in a completely different sphere. And you know for how long? Forever. <laughs> that's, that's what we're talking about. In other words, just like everything in this world, as we said, unlike a jar of peanut butter, which is inanimate, every living, growing thing in this world grows, and it, it has a direction. It takes shape. So, so that is telling us that all of us, all of our lives, have a direction. And that direction, actually, is not completely what we decided to be, although we can be very creative and we can add, and our input is very holy and necessary, but that there is a certain order being imposed upon us from the outside by the Creator itself. Like I said, when I was driving in that car in, in South Africa, thousands of trees, all exactly the same height, right? People live more or less the same number of years. People, you know, you have pretty much, you look at the contours of creation, you realize that there's an outside force, the guiding hand of God, I would say, imposing an order on things and on our lives as well. We are on a journey. And what our journey is, is that this journey is just temporarily existing in this plane. It's, this is just a temporary thing. 
and we're preparing for a much greater journey. Now, this is what this is what um, the sages mean, at least on one level, when they say that this world is like the lobby, the prose door, and then the next world is like the banquet hall. Do you understand? So they say, prepare in here so that you can partake in the banquet there. Do you understand? They're talking about two different dimensions, talking about this plane and the next plane. Okay? So now, let me give you a whole another, another visual to, to understand this. Okay, so now, if you're telling me that um, I'm on a journey, right? So, so what am I then? Okay, so what I would suggest all of us are, are rocket ships. Okay, you're a rocket ship. And you're about to be, you're, you're, you know, you've got like your time here. And then at the end of, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. By, um, by holy people, we, we don't celebrate their birthdays. We celebrate the day they leave this world. Then interesting, that's the yard site. Like that's that their parties like Lagba Omer is one of the happiest days in the Jewish calendar. What is that? That's the yard site. That's the day that Rabbi Shemin Bar Yochai, the author of the Zohar, left this world. So it's a big party. Why? Why not the birthday? Because by your birthday, you're just potential. By the day that you leave this world, you're accomplishment. This world is a world of doing, right? Remember this dimension in. In Torah is called Olamasiya, which means the world of action. Not the world of good intentions. The world of action. That's why the mitzvahs themselves are so practical. Do this, don't do that. It's not think this or feel this, don't feel that. There, there's some of those too. But for the most part, it's, it's exceptionally practical. Because this is the world of action. So in other words, you're a rocket ship. When is blast-off day? Blast-off day is our last breath, 120, let's say, right? After 120, that's blast-off day. Now, the question is, how do you blast off? Right? Now, I asked that question in a different way at the beginning of the talk. I said, if you're going to go on a journey, what would you pack? Right? So now I'm asking the same question in a more deep way. If you're a rocket ship, how do you blast off? Do you understand? Do you understand how it's the same question? So, so the answer is, or if you're, again, just so we're, we're, we're understanding all these different visuals, or if you're a seed about to blossom and poke through the soil, right, how are you going to, like, just poke through? How are you going to rise up and, like, rise really high? And, and, like, you know, you want to be, like, give off a lot of fruit and be, like, a great tree. Like, if you ask me, what kind of tree do you want to be? I would say, a great tree, right? Like, it doesn't matter. So, so, so the answer is, the answer is the mitzvahs. That's the, that's the answer. That's, that's what we leave this world with. That's what is the rocket fuel that propels us, hopefully, way, 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 way high. Because you have to understand something. It's like, 
You see, one of the names of Hashem is Or Ein Sof, which means light without end. And there's just, we call it the Olamos, which is translated as worlds, but I don't, I don't really like worlds because when I, when I hear the word worlds, I think of like planets, right? Worlds are really like um, gradations of light, stratas of light, okay? And the higher you go, the more ethereal and the greater and the more blissed out the light is, okay? And it just never ends, right? So ideally, if we're talking about eternity, you want to be in a place which is like, wow, right? Just, ah, just forever, right? Like that's, that's, that. but how do you get there? Well, you need a lot of fuel because the higher you go, that's, that's what's going to send the rocket ship higher and higher. That's the mitzvahs. That's the mitzvahs, okay? And so, so how do we do it? So, so the mitzvahs, is a, is, a, is a very uh, general way of saying this. Okay? There's another principle that is in Pirkei Avos, uh, which is, to the effort goes the reward. Okay? So in other words, effort and work, a, sort of a, exerting your life force, is, is that thing which is going to propel you upward, okay? See, because two people can do the same mitzvah. Excuse me. Someone who puts on tefillin every single day, they can just, you know, put it on fast, you know? And, um, you know, in fact, so fast, uh, this Shaila actually, this question actually appears in, in, in halacha, Jewish law books, which is kind of, it's funny and heartbreaking at the same time. All right, you ready? Which is that, what is someone supposed to do if they have just the tefillin just around their arm, just that part, and they don't remember, are they just putting it on or are they just taking it off? <laughs> I mean, you, you want to laugh and cry at the same time, Right? But what I'm trying to say is, and there's an answer to that. I don't remember what the answer is, but the, just the question is great. But, but, but the point, the reason why I'm bringing that up is that, that, that for that person, I mean, God bless that person who doesn't know whether he's putting it on or putting it off because it shows that that mitzvah is so close to that person that they, it's almost become automatic. And while that's not great on some level, because you want to always have kavan and you want to have holy intention, on the other hand, look how he's made the Torah part of himself in such a beautiful way. Okay. Okay, but how about now you go up to someone, you know, you're walking down the street, down Fifth Avenue or whatever it is, and some guy with a long beard asks you, have you put on tefillin today? And not only haven't you put on tefillin today, you have never put on tefillin in your entire life, Right? And then in whatever your blocks are, you know, you just, you don't want to. You, you, it's strange. It's just too weird. Or, but then you go, well, but maybe, I don't know, how many times can I say no? And something inside me tells me, yes, I should. And so that person does it. What is that mitzvah for that person? In other words, that person has to exert so much of themselves in order to do that thing. Again, to the effort goes to goes the reward. There's a there's a huge amount of rocket fuel that just got added to that person 
precisely because it, 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 they, they, they had to try so hard to do it. Okay. So now, I want to, I want to continue with this, with this line of thought, but I want to incorporate something new, a new element into it now, okay? And what this new element is, is trying to understand in a deeper way the whole notion of korbonos, offerings. Because right now we're in the book of Vayikra, and Vayikra is talking about now for chapters and chapters and chapters what it means to bring an offering to the holy temple, a korban to the base Hamigdash, right? Which is something which is very alien to us today because for 2,000 years we haven't been doing this. It was the most normal thing back then, but now it's just, we're, we're just not used to it. So it's a bit of a far out concept for us right now. So right at the very beginning of the book of Vayikra, um, it says, and I'm going to use the word man, it says Adam, but, but you understand that this man means man and woman. It's talking about mankind here, but it's talking in the singular. Um, so at the beginning it says that Hashem called to Moshe and Hashem spoke to him from the tent of meeting saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, when a man among you brings an offering to Hashem. And then it goes on from animals, from cattle, from the flock, shall you bring your offering. So when a man among you brings an offering. So you have to understand that in the broader sense, let's just broaden the idea that, that really all, all of life is, is this interface, is this conversation with God. All of life is an ongoing conversation with God. Whatever you're doing, even if you're alone in a room, whatever you're doing, just how you choose to express yourself, how you choose to conduct yourself with all that. Remember, I once gave you this image, and, and I really love it, which is that imagine a kaleidoscope, right? So you look through one, one end of the kaleidoscope, and you're turning the other end, and what happens is, is that you've got all these different images, like you know, falling and tumbling and forming new types of things. And so what I would suggest is that life is a kaleidoscope. You're sort of this constant in the middle, right? And then turning around you are, now you're in the supermarket. Now you're listening to this talk. Now you're in your car. Now you're in an airplane. Now you're with your family. Now you're on the job, right? It's like you're this constant, but God is constantly creating and recreating different situations for you to exist in to express yourself and your service to God. Like he's just creating opportunities for you to exert yourself, if you will, right? Ideally, and to figure out what, what good thing, like you assess your situation. Who can I say hello to? Who can I smile to? Who, who just dropped something and I can return it to them, right? Just you're, you're on the lookout in every situation because it's being created just for you, okay? So, so all of these things, I would suggest, are offerings, right? Anytime that you exert yourself, this is, this is an offering. All right, now I want to go a little bit deeper. Now, the, the model of the person, the, 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 the model for the person who's bringing the offering, the Torah says, is Adam, Right? So that's, that's interesting because the Torah, when it refers to a human being, doesn't always use the word Adam. There, there are a lot of different words that they could use instead. So Adam is a very, that's a very evocative term that, that Hashem is using here. 
And on some level, you know, it's going back to Adam Harishon, right? The very first human being. Since all of this are all these things are soul fixings that we're doing, we're rectifying creation. So, so it goes deep in terms of the choice of that word. But I want to I want to say something a little bit different right now. Well, that's also true. And that's that if you rearrange the letters of the word Adam, the exact letters, not adding or subtracting, those letters, you rearrange it, it spells the word ma'od. Ma'od means very. Very is like an extreme. Okay? So, so all of us are born with different inclinations to do all sorts of different things. Some of them good, some of them not good. But we're all born with them. In other words, you didn't do, if you have a desire for a certain thing and you're like, why do I have a desire for that? For the most part, you're born with that desire. In other words, that's part of your soul fixing, to have that desire and to overcome it. Okay? Whatever it is. Okay? So this is all in the category of ma'od. Okay? So ma'od means very. Now, let me give you an example how ma'od is not a great word. Okay? Um, it can be a good word, but we're getting to that. But let me just show you on a, how on a basic level it's not a great word. So in the beginning, in the, in, the, in the chronicle of the first seven days of creation, God says over and over again, God created this and it was good. God made that and it was good. God made this and it was good. Good, 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 good. And then on the sixth day, right, as God's finishing up creation before Shabbos, right, God says, and he looked at it, and he said it was tov ma'od. It was very good. I said, wait a second. (laughs) If it's God, probably good is good enough for me. Like, what is this very good, you know? So the rabbis are like a little bit suspicious about this very good. And the Medrash says that very stands for death. So that's, that's, that, that's like, that's the very, you know? And, you know, I heard Rabbi Beryl Wine say something one time that I, I thought was stru- interesting. He says, you know, like, I think, especially growing up in today's society, who wouldn't want to be a billionaire supermodel? Right? That would seem to be like, all right, I'm good. I got billionaire, I got supermodel. Yes, yes, give me that, right? But anything that's got a very attached to it, there is a whole suitcase of problems that comes with that. You know? And, and we, you know, in our naivete, or I would even say in our ignorance, that we sort of look at it from afar and we, we don't think it through, actually. What, what that means, you know? Like, I am not a woman, much less a beautiful woman, but if I were a beautiful woman, I think that it would be a little bit weird to be stared at all the time. I think that that would be uncomfortable, actually. You know? So, and why do you want to be friends with me, exactly? Why is it that you're being so nice to me, exactly? Like, it's, there are all sorts of complicated things that come with the word very, Right? In, in any field, right? I, I Believe me, I know a lot of people who are really smart, like, like crazy smart, 
and I would suggest too smart for their own good. Because you get to this level of too smart, and you know, you can argue that there's no such thing as too smart, and God bless you, you can have your opinion. But once you get to this level of too smart, you know, you start to make, I think, some very dumb choices. But it's what the irony is, is that only incredibly smart people can make those dumb choices. Because <laughs> you have to be that smart to do something that dumb. Only, you're only eligible to make those mistakes if you're a genius. You understand? <laughs> but the end result is you messed up. <laughs> you understand? So, so, so this is all in the category of very. This is all in the category of very. Um, so again, you have when a, when a man, Adam, and remember that means man, woman, that's all of us, when, when, when a man brings an offering, like that's a very strong premise that the Torah is putting out there. When a man brings an offering, because that's, that's super basic. We're talking very primal right now. We're talking about all of us in our lives. That's the direction. That's the journey. You're here. You're growing. You're accumulating rocket fuel. You're shedding your shell and blossoming into another di- dimension. That's all you bringing your offering. That's the rocket ship sitting on the launch pad, right? Getting ready to blast off. Okay, so, so what I would suggest is what's, what that life force is, what that effort is, to the effort goes the reward. What that effort is, is the, the sculpting, the transition from the word ma'od, because all of us are born with our ma'ods, with our varies, with our inclinations. We're born that. God gives that to us. And we have to turn the ma'od into adam. We have to rearrange the letters of ma'od. We have to refine ourselves so that we take our extreme, our extreme behavior and then we sculpt that into something that's like very upright, like very refined, Right? very focused into a human being. Okay? Now, now I want to give you another image that I've sort of been kind of working with for a while now, but I think it, it's I'm expressing in the way that I want to here right now. God willing. Which is, which is what I'm calling the IKEA model. Right? So, so I think that many people think that it's sort of like when, when you're young, you're, you're innocent and you're, you, know, you don't have any faults and things like that. And then you get older and then you just become riddled with mistakes and averas, sins and what, whatnot and all sorts of stuff like that. And, you know, it was great when I was young before I could, before I knew what I was doing essentially. And now I'm just old and I just, I blew it like everyone else around. Okay. That's one model. <laughs> I would suggest that that's not a very relevant model for us. I mean, there is some truth to it. There is some truth to it. But, but basically, I would suggest that it's not really what we're dealing with um, in reality on a day-to-day basis. So instead of that, I would like to suggest a different model, which is the IKEA model. <laughs> so what's the IKEA model? The IKEA model is 
all of us are that thin cardboard box <laughs> that weighs a ton, right? And inside are all of the parts that you have to assemble to turn your ma'od into Adam. You're born in a number of different pieces and your life's work basically is to figure out how to make what's in the box. Now, to use a more common expression, to achieve your potential. Right? But, but it is about, remember, remember, Hashem says uh, in, in, the, in the beginning of the Torah, He says, let us create man. So the official explanation is let us create man refers to God talking to the angels. And they say that why was God talking to the angels since God is going to basically knows what he wants to do and, you know, whatever it is. But to teach Derek Heretz a, a proper way to conduct yourself, that even if you're running a company or whatever it is, you should consult with, your, with the people that you hired. And so that they should feel so they have a stake in the, in the enterprise and that they're invested as well. Okay, so God says to the angels, let us create men. Okay, very good. Rabbi Tversky brings something, I think, deeper, which is that God was talking to man himself. Let us create man, because each one of us is a partner in terms of our self-realization along with God. Remember, because God gives us free will. So God really does, on some level, need us to be making the decisions which are ideally best for us, right? So that's the idea of assembling yourself. Let us create men. You are involved in terms of your own self-creation, right? But there is a model for you. Just like we said, trees grow to a certain height and animals grow and everything is growing and pretty much living more or less the same amount of time, right? There is a model for you when you're born, okay? That's, that's God's vision for you. I heard Reb Shlomo say something so beautiful. He said that the Ten Commandments. He said that those are God's prayers for the world and God's dreams for the world. That's what the Torah is. God's prayers for the world and God's dreams for the world. And listen to this. When you keep the Torah, you're praying God's prayers and you're dreaming God's dreams. Isn't that awesome? I think, I think that's completely beautiful. So, so the idea is that when you assemble yourself, in this divine vision, you are dreaming God's dreams and praying God's prayers. And you're becoming like this realized person. You're turning the ma'od into Adam. But that takes effort. It takes effort. Can you imagine like if that's your DNA or whatever it is to move around these? There's only three letters there to actually move them around. Like that would take tremendous self-mastery and exertion. That's not, that's not like, we're not talking about Scrabble pieces right now, right? We're talking, we're, talking about, we're talking about creating yourself on some level through the decisions that you make. Now, I heard this from Rabbi Green, and, and, and proof of how much I love this thought is that I said this at my father's Levaya as part of my father's eulogy, um, which is that Rabbi Green said that, asked this question, 
Who are you? Right? Who are you? You're not your body because you leave your body, right? That's the shell coming off, right? You're not your soul. Oh, I was going to say I'm my soul. No, no, no. You're not your soul. Why? Because your soul is a piece of God. (laughs) So if you're not your body and you're not your soul, who are you? So the answer is, you are the sum total of the decisions that you make. In other words, when you stand before the heavenly court after 120, what is standing there? It is, it is the c- compilation of all of the decisions that you made in life, right? And then even if you decided the wrong thing, then you look a little bit further. Oh, but then I decided, no, 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 I want to, I want to do this instead. Can you imagine how awesome that is? That's what we call tshuva, right? That's, or recreation. That's, that's, that's amazing. That's very, very strong. Okay? So, so, I once got a bookshelf from Ikea, and it was, it was the simplest structure. It was like a rectangle, a tall rectangle, about six feet tall, and with a few shelves, and it came with instructions, and I thought to myself, I don't need these instructions. It's like, it's a rectangle. I can, I, can, I can make this. I know how to do this. So I made it without looking at the, at the instructions. And within minutes, it folded in on itself and it broke and it collapsed. <laughs> and, and so what I'm suggesting is, what I'm suggesting is, is that what are those instructions? The, that's the Torah itself. The Torah is the user's manual to your life, to this world. And as Rabbi Matasyahu Solomon, Oliver Shalom, said so beautifully, I heard him say this, that he and his wife, like, just like, it was remarkable to them, they, 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 they bought a blender, and the blender came with a 32-page set of instructions. And he said, a blender comes with a book of instructions. Is it possible that this world doesn't come with a book of instructions? Especially if you understand that if you just stand back from nature and you look at the patterns of creation, you see that there is a creator who has a desire. How could it be that he has a desire and he doesn't express his desire? How could, he be, how could it be that he builds this epic universe and doesn't give us the way to succeed within it? How could it be? It doesn't make any sense. It, it's, it doesn't make any sense. But the thing is, is that these instructions, like when I set about to build that rectangular structure, there couldn't have been anything simpler than that, than that plan, right? I didn't consult the instructions, and what I made didn't work. And I'm, you know, I'm a reasonably smart guy. I should have been able to make that work. It was so simple, right? It, it, it didn't work. It fell apart. So what I'm suggesting is, if you want to blast off, if you want to go into the, the nether spheres, the, the nether spheres, the, the ever spheres, right? <laughs> then you need that guidance. It's not completely intuitive. Certain things are intuitive, but don't let that lead you astray. You know not to punch a baby. (laughs) You should be able to figure that out. You don't need a book to tell you that. There are certain things that you will be able to figure out, certain very important things. 
And it says, the rabbis say that the nations of the world can figure out on their own not to kill, right? Not to steal. They will arrive at that in order to have a functioning society. They will understand that, right? But there are other things that you will never arrive at. Do you understand? You will never arrive at Sukkot. <laughs> I promise you. You will never arrive at the Arbaminim, <laughs> right? Lulav, Hadassim, Aravos, Esrog. <laughs> Lenin? No. <laughs> You're so close. You will never arrive at most of the mitzvahs. You will never arrive at them. They're not intuitive. They, they, they aren't. Okay? So, what can you compare this to? And you need these things to blast off. That's what I'm telling you. You need these things to blast off. If you are going to be the full realization of who you can be. So, so let me give you another visual. Okay? So... You know, you see, like, especially around this area, like, most of the world doesn't see, like, Lamborghinis driving down the street on a regular basis. Like, if you live around here, you just, like, it's a normal thing. There's a Ferrari, there's a Lamborghini, there's, like, some, you know, like, like really, like, really 99% of the world will never see a car like that on a sidewalk. Anyway, the, the point is, is that maybe I was looking at one of those things, I don't know, but, but the bottom line is, imagine you're sitting behind the steering wheel of a Lamborghini, Okay? Now, I imagine, I imagine that if you had the user's manual for the Ford Taurus, you probably could get the car started. I think, I think, okay? Meaning to say, you know, it would say, put your foot on the gas. Okay, there's a gas pedal there, you know? You know, start the ignition, put it in drive. That, that should get the Lamborghini started, I would imagine. And you could you know, be driving your Lamborghini, right? But imagine all the things a Lamborghini can do that you're never going to find out because all you're looking at is the Ford Taurus user manual. You understand? I'm talking about secular society. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the fact, be a nice person. Go to the gym. Don't eat too much fatty meat. <laughs> you know what I mean? You'll get the car going 60 miles an hour on the freeway. Turn here. You'll be able to get the basic contour of being a productive citizen. <laughs> but I'm talking about an eternal trip through the infinity of God. <laughs> I'm not talking about getting right to El Segundo. You know? I'm talking about Something way more basic, but, but basic, not extra credit, basic because, you know, like I always like to say, if you put something finite next to something infinite, it doesn't matter how large the finite thing is, because next to the infinite thing, it's going to look tiny. doesn't matter how big it is. It could be Yankee Stadium. Wow, it's really big. No, but next to an infinite construct? Oh, I can't even see it. What is that? Is that a stadium? Right? 120 years, right? That seems like a long time. Next to eternity? Are you joking me? Are you... That's... I'm, I'm laughing. 120 years? That's... 
It's nothing. It's nothing. So if you want to access that realm, right? Remember that seed. The body falls away. The seed shoots up from one dimension into this place of light, right? It's total darkness. It's another thing the sages are saying to us in like such a simple way. This place is like underground. It's like a place of darkness. And then all of a sudden you're going into this place of light, right? You're shooting up, right? What's, what's your life going to be over there? And what if I told you that that's not... See, here's the mistake a lot of people make. You have to decide whether you believe that or not. Because if you believe that, that has to become your reality. It can't be sort of like, oh yeah, it's a nice thought, and we believe, or there are a bunch of us who believe, and some of them take us more seriously, but here's where I am. Here's what I believe. You you know what I believe? I believe with all my heart that maybe it's true. (laughs) But if you searched your heart, if you searched your heart, Most of us, even quote-unquote religious people, would fall into this category. I believe with all my heart, with everything, that it could maybe possibly be true. (laughs) What are you doing? What what are you doing? What are you you doing? I'm serious. What What are you doing? You have to... So, so the Torah is saying it's true. God's saying it's true. I, I, you know, I believe it's true. I, cer- certainly, I, I think everything attests to it being true. Um, so, so then that's what it is. And if that's what that is, if that's where we're going, if that's what that is, then that's what this is. This is just the, this is just your fueling up. You're just fueling up here. Now, I want to, I want to be careful with that because, you know, you say, okay, we're just fueling up here. That's, that's true. But, but, but we have to be incredibly sensitive to each other while we're here. That's, first of all, that's part of the fueling up process. Is, is the care and the love that we show for, 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 for this because it's also God's creation. Right? Like if someone gives you a present, it's beautifully wrapped, would you spit on the wrapping paper because that's not the present? <laughs> it's, it's, how barbaric, how, how crude, right? I don't know. It could be that this is just part of the picture and maybe even the lesser part of the picture. But it's also a beautiful construct that we have to give the utmost covet to. I mean, a very strong uh, Torah principle is covet abrios, means honoring God's creation, honoring each other, right? But not to confuse it with the real thing. And now I want to say something super deep, okay? This is from Reb Tzadik HaKoyin, okay? And this is in Tekanis HaShavim. So, Shlomo Melech famously says at the um, end of uh, Kehelis, this is K. 
King Solomon's wisdom, okay? He says, Hevel Havalim, right? Which is translated as vanities of vanities, meaning talking about this world. And then he concludes by saying that, that he goes through, remember, he's, the, he's the, essentially the king of the world. King Solomon was essentially the king of the world. They say that geometry and mathematics and all sorts of like hachmas, sources of wisdom, all, all came from, uh, all came from like the, 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 the kings of the world would come to King Solomon and they would, they would sit and he would dispense the most like amazing wisdom and they would bring it back all over the world. So they say a lot of the breakthroughs that we live with to this day, you know, emanated from the court of King Solomon, okay? But King Solomon gave very practical life advice too. And remember, he had everything. He had everything at his disposal. All the riches, all the luxuries, absolutely everything. And he, and he explored them all to see how, you know, what was the best way to live your life, okay? And he comes to the conclusion at the end of having a, a vantage point that probably no human has had before, which is that the ultimate resources and the ultimate insight, he comes and he concludes at the end it's all nothingness, okay? Hevel havalim. It's all meaningless. The main thing is just serve God and do the mitzvahs. That's how, that's how he ends, okay? Now, Hevel, that's, that's, that's Shlomo Amalek. Now I'm going to tell you what Reb Tzadik HaKoyin says. Hevel also means in Hebrew, breath, okay? It could mean breath or almost like steam, Okay, so, okay, so, so now, all right, how are we going to plug that into what King Solomon is saying? Breath, steam. So now listen to this bit of imagery, okay? Reb Kakoyan says, what is this, what, what does King Solomon mean by steam, breath? What is this world? next to the next world. He says, imagine a pot of soup and imagine steam coming from the pot of soup. Or, he says, imagine a loaf of bread like out of the oven and imagine the steam coming from the loaf of bread. He says, this world is just the steam. The reality of existence is the next world. The next world is the pot of soup. The next world is the loaf of bread. This world, when, he, when King Solomon says, it's all hevel, it's all steam, this is all just steam. And the reality, the real reality, is where we're heading. 